Welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message. I remember one service that we were in. My mom and dad were with me in that meeting. And there was a woman brought into the meeting. And she had bone cancer. She looked like a skeleton. She couldn't even walk by herself. They carried her into the, into the meeting and, and sat her in the front row of the church. Now, during the service, you know, we're preaching, and then we're praying for people at the end, and my mom leans over to this woman who looks like a skeleton. She puts her arms around her and just holds her. She leans over and begins to speak the simple scripture, the word of God, into her ear so she could hear it. And she just prays, releases love, and speaks the word into her ear. I'm in the back over there praying for someone else, and she's up here in the front just holding this woman. All of a sudden, I hear a commotion behind me, and I turn around, and I see the woman jump up out of her seat and start dancing around the altar, kicking her arms and legs, saying, the pain is gone. The pain is gone. I'm healed. I'm healed. She got so excited, she ran out of the service. She ran out of the service. As she ran down the aisle, she said, my son is waiting for me in the parking lot. He dropped me off, but he wouldn't come into church. He's waiting out there for me. I got to go tell my son I'm healed. And she ran out of the church. <laughs> they carried her in and she ran out. <laughs> healed by God. Just from a hug. I'll tell you what, there is supernatural power in the love of God. Jesus was moved with compassion and healed the sick. And there is, there is. I'm not preaching on this tonight. I'm not preaching on it, but I'm just going to tell you there is a secret to the healing power. And it is the divine love of God. Four months before Oral Roberts passed away. How many remember Oral Roberts? Great healing evangelist. Four months before he passed away, I sat with him in his living room. And I asked him, what was one of the greatest secrets to your healing ministry? And he looked, he looked at me and he said, a lot of people will think it was my faith. He says, but I'm going to tell you what it really was. He said, when I was in my hotel room praying before a crusade, I did not pray for faith. He said, as I sat there seeking God for that service, I prayed for love. He said, I actively prayed for love. And then when I stood up to the pulpit, my heart was moved with compassion for the people, and the miracles exploded in the room. You see? And Galatians 5 teaches us this. It says, faith worketh through love. I love the Amplified Bible. It says faith is energized, is basically empowered, is set into motion through love. You see, love has a way of taking the faith of God that's in you and energizing it and setting it into motion, producing the miraculous. So if you want to see more miracles, pray for more love. Yeah, pray for God. God, saturate my heart with love. Saturate my heart with the compassion that moved your heart. And watch it unlock the power of God in your life. Not just for yourself, but for other people. Isn't that awesome? So, I remembered. I told my wife to remind me, but I'm remembering myself. What we're doing tonight for the resources. She, she forgot too. But we were talking and praying before the service. What we're doing for the resources tonight at the table is for every four things that you get, we're going to give you a fifth thing for free. So you get four and you get a fifth thing for free. So praise the Lord. How many like free things? Woohoo! Yeah, we like free things. <laughs> okay. Holy Spirit, blow us all up. 
in, in a good way, in a very good way. There's something about being a New Covenant believer and understanding what Christ has accomplished for us. And as the weekend goes on, we're going to unfold and talk about these things. And I feel in my heart, even for tomorrow afternoon, I really encourage you to be here tomorrow afternoon because I feel there's something even on the subject of mantles that God is going to release tomorrow. Because prophetically, if you understand the times and season we're in, we really have entered into a new season in the church. We have. And I'm going to talk more about that somewhere in the weekend. But we have entered into a whole new season. And when you enter into a new season, there are new anointings and even fresh mantles that God releases for that new season. But it's understanding and perceiving the times and the seasons and how to transition from one to the next and to receive the fresh oil. And I believe God doesn't want to just cause your lamp to be full, although having a full lamp is great, but God wants to give you extra oil so you have more than enough. And if you study the parable of even the ten virgins, remember that parable? Five were wise and five were foolish. Now, if you really study that whole parable, you'll discover, you'll discover that all of them had oil in their lamps. The five wise ones didn't just have a lamp in their oil they had extra oil with them so that as time went by and the current oil in their lamp ran out they had more oil to refill their lamps and you see God doesn't want to just anoint us for the present moment you see it's more than just God let me experience your anointing right now in this present moment but it's God fill me so much with you Fill me so much with your Holy Spirit that I don't just have enough of you for this present moment right now, but there is more than enough anointing, extra oil in my life so that as we continue on this journey, the oil doesn't run out. And we stay burning. We stay on fire. Because, because the temptation when God anoints you is to then begin to coast on that anointing. You see, and we can't coast on the past season's anointing anymore because it's a new season. And we need a fresh oil for the new season. How many want a fresh oil on your life? Fresh oil for now, for today, and for where you're going. Yes, it's really, really important. So as, as New Covenant believers, I want us to get a revelation tonight because I believe God has anointed you you and we have to we have to move past the mindset that the speaker with the microphone is the one that's anointed and we have to begin to understand the anointing that god has released for the whole body of christ for each one of us right especially as new covenant believers to understand how while we are in this world yet we're not of this world and how we fulfill the prayer that Christ taught us to pray. And what did he teach us to pray? He said, pray for my, for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said, pray this way. Pray for my kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. For my will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many know that prayer? The Our Father. Every Christian denomination prays it. Some of them know what they're praying. Some of them just are praying it. 
But it's the most amazing thing. Every single Christian denomination, they're all praying it. They're all praying for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. And I believe Jesus doesn't want us just praying it. I believe that Jesus even wants to anoint us so that we are a fulfillment of that prayer. Right? And I believe when God tells us to pray something, it's not just so that we'll pray it for the rest of our lives and then die and then experience the fulfillment of it after we're dead. But I believe when God tells us to pray something, it's because he wants to release it now, in our lives now. Right? I mean, of course we're all going to experience the kingdom when we're dead. If you believe in Jesus, you'll be in the kingdom. You'll be in heaven. And then after that, a new heaven, a new earth, you're going to rule and reign with God. It's going to be amazing. All this is preparation. You're training for reigning. Praise God. Training for reigning. So, I believe God not only wants us praying for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, but he also wants to anoint us so that we see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Every time Jesus stretched forth his hand and healed the sick, he said, a greater one has come upon you. Demons would flee. His kingdom would be manifested. And I believe just as the kingdom was manifested through the life of Christ, where sickness would go and demons would go and people would be totally healed and suffering and restored and the kingdom would be established in the heart of man, I believe God wants that same anointing operating in and through each one of us. Where you carry so much of God, so much of God, that you walk into a room and because of God that you carry on you, demons run out of that room. Sickness runs from that place because of the God that you carry in you and on you. Where two dimensions collide together. And this is what I want to talk about tonight. While you're on earth, you're ministering from another dimension. You're ministering from another place. You're ministering from a heavenly place. Because Ephesians teaches us while we're on the earth, yet we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Far above all power and principality. Far above every work of the enemy. You're above. You're not under tonight. And we really need to learn to use the keys of the kingdom. How many know the scripture on the keys of the kingdom? I'm going to share it with you in Greek because we got to understand it. Many Bible translations say this. What you bind on earth is bound in heaven. What you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. We have all the teachings on binding and loosing. How many have heard that scripture, right? If you're Pentecostal, I'm sure you've heard that scripture. What you bind on earth is bound in heaven. But here's what it says in the Greek. What you bind on earth has already been bound in heaven. What you loose on earth has already been loosed in heaven. You see, so understand it from this perspective. Like I said earlier, you are not warring to get a breakthrough. You are living from a position in Christ where you are now anointed to establish on earth what has already been accomplished in heaven. In other words, you are divine administrators administrating, enforcing, establishing on earth what's already been accomplished in the heavenly place. Jesus died on the cross. He said, by your stripes, by my stripes, you were healed. Healing has already been accomplished. So when we pray for the sick, we're not trying to get someone healed. We're just establishing on earth what's already been accomplished in heaven. Right? You have to understand what's already been done for you. If you don't understand what's already been done for you, you're going to try to make stuff happen, not realizing it's actually already happened. So when we are using keys of authority, 
We are establishing on earth, we're binding, we're loosing what has already been bound and loosed in heaven. You're loosing healing because healing has already been loosed. You're loosing people from depression because depression has already been loosed. You're setting people free under the authority of the name of Jesus by the anointing of God because that anointing has already come to destroy the yoke. And you get to enforce it as a believer. Living from that heavenly place. Now, two dimensions, earthly and heavenly, coming together, intersecting. That's how miracles happen. You're not dependent on the natural. Do not get overly distracted, please. Don't get overly distracted by what you see in the natural. Because this is the temptation of life. To look around at what's happening around us. And if the enemy can't hit you directly, he will stir up everything around you. And it's very easy to let everything around you distract you. To let this situation over here whip your soul up into a frenzied emotion. And if you're not careful, your life will then be led by everything that's happening around you rather than being led by the Holy Spirit. And there's a place in God where we can learn to live out of our spirit and not our soul. The soul can be affected by things around you. But this is where we have to learn to rise above those things and not let those things dictate to us how we will live or even what we'll feel. The good news of that is that you don't have to be soul-driven. You can be spirit-led. And I tell you what, life can be exhausting if you are soul-driven. It can be exhausting. You can get exhausted not by your own drama, but by everyone else's drama around you. And some people, their lives can be a novel. <laughs> their lives can be a novel. And their drama becomes your drama. And all of a sudden, your heavenly peace is gone. Your heavenly joy is gone because of their drama. You don't have to let that happen. Come on now, you don't have to let that happen. No matter what is happening out here, if we learn to live from in here, from our spirit and from where we are in that heavenly place, we can rise above what is happening around us and still maintain our joy, still maintain our peace, and still maintain our breakthrough and not let it ro get robbed from us by what's happening around us. I call it living from our heavenly account. Because while we're on earth, we have a heavenly account. How many know you have a heavenly account? Can I describe to you what your heavenly account is? How many here tonight have a bank account? How many are glad you have a bank account? Yes? How many have a bank account, but there's really nothing in it? We'll pray for you tonight. <laughs> no, but just like we have a natural bank account, and Lord willing, there's something in it. Now, let me just say this. Let's just say you have a bank account, but there's nothing in it. Now, if you know there's nothing in your bank account, you're not going to go and check your bank account. You're going to say to yourself, oh, there's nothing in that account. I'm just going to let it sit there. I'm just going to ignore it. But let's say someone comes along and drops a million dollars in your bank account. But they don't tell you. They secretly deposit it in your account, and you don't even know it's there. If you don't know it's there, it'll just sit there. Because you'll think, oh, there's nothing there. I'm not going to go even check on that account. But once you find out it's there, how many are going to be running to that bank account? Make a withdrawal on what's in there. Now, 
Ephesians chapter 1 teaches us something amazing. It says that in Christ, we have been blessed. And again, we're talking about binding and loosing what's already been done. We have been blessed. So that is a past tense accomplished fact. We've been blessed. Already done. Been blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. So it talks about the heavenly realm. It talks about being in Christ. And a lot of times in Ephesians, when it mentions this phrase, heavenly realm, right near it or around it, it talks about being in Christ. And it identifies our identity in Christ with the heavenly realm. It puts the two together. And it says we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Now, you know what every blessing is? It's every blessing. It's not only forgiveness of your sin. It's healing for your body. It's freedom for your soul. It's joy. It's righteousness. It's not just being forgiven of sin. It's also the identity of righteousness. The righteousness of Christ on the inside of you. So you become more aware of God's righteousness in you than you are even of your sinful nature. And I think that's where transformation happens. When you actually become more aware, you become more God aware of his righteousness in you than you do of your own weaknesses. And his righteousness permeates every part of you. That's a spiritual blessing. Joy is a spiritual blessing. Peace is a spiritual blessing. So all of these things we have in Christ. So now, this is how I look at it. We have a heavenly account. In our heavenly account are all of these things. Now, if you don't know what's in your account, you'll never go to access it. But once you know what's in your account, you will be making trips to that account. You wake up one day, you feel anxious. You feel worried, fearful about something happening in life. Rather than wasting a whole day feeling anxious, come on, has anyone have a, had a day where the whole day, it's like you lose the whole day feeling anxious, worried, discouraged, whatever it is. You wake up with the ugly demon. You know the ugly demon? You wake up and look in the mirror and for some reason you have a feeling that you feel ugly. And you don't even know why. You just look in the mirror. I mean, you look exactly like you did the day before. You look exactly the same. But for some reason, like, oh, I feel ugly. Oh, I don't, I feel ugly. I look ugly today. No, you look exactly like you did yesterday. <laughs> I call it the ugly demon. This little demon comes around and says, you're ugly. And you're like, I'm ugly. <laughs> and you just sit underneath that thing all day long. Oh, you don't have to sit underneath that stuff. Look. When we know it's in our account, we have access to it. You see, and then you go to your account, you say, wait a second. I have a heavenly account filled with every spiritual blessing. I am going to withdraw joy today. I'm going to my account with Jesus. Jesus, I'm feeling discouraged. Jesus, I need your joy. I receive your joy. And his joy overthrows the discouragement and actually lifts your soul into that heavenly place. Hallelujah. God, I need your peace. Go to your account. Receive peace. It's right there. Everything you need is right there. Already been accomplished. Already done. It's just getting the revelation. Well, how do you get the revelation? Okay. You get the revelation of what's in your account by actually reading the Bible. Wow. That, I know this is a deep revelation right now. You actually read the Bible. And then you read, oh, by his stripes I was healed. Oh, healing is in my account. Look, you know what God is going to do in the church? He is going to revive childlike faith again. 
childlike faith will you read the bible and actually believe it will you actually believe what you read and i'm going to tell you when you believe what you read you will have what you believe and what you believe you will say and out of your mouth will come words of life not oh god i'm so depressed just help me survive my life god no that's not abundant life surviving your life is not abundant life God doesn't want you just to get through life. He wants you to have abundant life. Enjoy it to the full until it overflows. That's abundant life. Overflowing life. Amen. <laughs> oh, dragging yourself through life, that is not abundant life. That is not living from the heavenly place. So once you know, you begin to Walk in the revelation of what Jesus has filled your account with. So you're not limited to the earthly. Praise God. We are not limited by the earthly. We can live from a higher place. So now, how many here have ever heard the term open heavens? Okay, let's talk about, let's go there for a little bit. Because if we're going to talk about dimensions coming together, we have to talk about the open heavens. One of the first places we see this is in Genesis 28. Genesis 28 and verse 11 and 12. So if you're taking notes, you could write this down. Genesis 28, verse 11 and 12. This is the encounter that Jacob has where he dreams the dream. How many remember Jacob's dream? He goes to sleep. In Genesis 28, he dreams a dream, and in it he sees a ladder. The top of the ladder touches heaven. The bottom of the ladder touches earth. He sees angels ascending and descending on this ladder. He doesn't, while he's awake, see a physical ladder, but it's something he dreams about. He dreams about this ladder. And what does this ladder do? If you think about it, the ladder is connecting two dimensions together. It's connecting the heavenly and the earthly. The top of it is in heaven. The bottom is on the earth. And angels going up and down. It's bridging two dimensions together, the earthly and the heavenly. Jacob wakes from his dream. A few verses later, he makes this declaration. He says, this is the gateway to heaven. Because he saw the gateway. He saw the open connection between earth and heaven. This is the gateway to heaven. Gateway. You can use different terms for that. This is the gateway. This is the doorway. This is the portal. It's the open heaven. You know, it's the place where heaven is open and there's this divine connection point. So he dreams about this. And what I've discovered as I study the Bible is that many things that are shared, dreamt about, talked about in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, many of those things come to fullness in the life of Christ. Many things shared about in the Old Covenant actually find their full revelation through the person of Jesus Christ. So now you go into the New Covenant and you read John 151. John 151 you see a direct reference to Jacob's ladder. And this is going somewhere tonight. John 151, you see a direct reference to Jacob's ladder, and it says this. You will see angels. You will see the angels ascend and descend upon the Son of Man. Makes a direct reference to Jesus Christ. So now in the Old Testament, Jacob dreams of the ladder. In the New Testament, the ladder is revealed to be over Jesus. Over Jesus, over the Son of Man, you'll see angels ascending and descending. What does that mean? That means, well, what did Jesus himself say? 
He said, I am the door. He said, no man can come to the Father except through me. Jesus could have said, I'm the gateway. I'm the doorway. I'm the open heaven. I'm the portal that connects two dimensions together. You cannot get to the heavenly Father except you come through me. Jacob's ladder is revealed over Jesus. What does that mean? That means Jesus is actually Jacob's ladder. He's the doorway to heaven. He's the doorway to heaven. And if you think about it, Jesus was the only person on the planet, on the earth, born of the Holy Spirit, conceived, given birth by Mary, fully God, fully human, had earthly DNA and heavenly DNA. Jesus Christ was two dimensions brought together in one. The heavenly dimension and the earthly dimension brought together in one. He became the divine connecting point that caused these two dimensions to come together. Now, we could just leave it right there and say, wow, Jesus is Jacob's ladder. He's the gateway. He gives us access. Through him, we have access to the heavenly place. In Christ, we have access to the heavenly place, but I believe you can bring it even further than that. And if you study many of Paul's teachings in the New Testament, I'll just read two scriptures to you. I could read a whole lot more, but let me just give you two. One is one of the very first Bible verses I ever memorized as a teenager, and it's Galatians 2.20. It is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. How many know that scripture? I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And then Colossians 1.27 talks about the hope of glory. And it says the hope of glory, Christ in me. The hope of glory, Christ in me. So we see all these scriptures and more in the New Testament about now Christ being in us. It's not just us in Christ. It's Christ in us. I have a whole other teaching on how Christ is formed in us. That's a whole other whole other thing but let me say this christ is in us and if jacob's ladder is over jesus and jesus is on the inside of us what does that mean that means that jacob's ladder is on the inside of us that means we're not just contending for an open heaven when we pray god open the heavens come down fill the atmosphere with your glory no we're not just contending for an open heavens out here actually as new covenant believers and when we get this revelation this is when we begin to shift the atmosphere around us that because christ is in us we are carriers of jacob's ladder we're actually carriers of an open heaven because on the inside of you is Christ formed in you. And because Christ is formed in you, that means on the inside of you, two dimensions have already come together. Where Peter teaches, we have become partakers of the divine nature. Which means, as earthly human beings, we have become partakers of the divine. And the divine lives on the inside of us because Christ is in us. That means we are not begging God for an open heaven. We understand what's been accomplished, and we become carriers of the open heaven. In other words, we become walking open heavens. Come on now. How many are getting this tonight? You see, you can't access what's in your account until you know it. So this is revelation. Once you start to get revelation, it produces faith in you. Faith moves you from positional truth to experiential truth, where it's not just a good idea of theology. It's actually real. It's real. 
You become a walking open heavens. This is why Christians have the power and the authority to shift atmospheres, to see the kingdom of God come in power and in true manifestation because of what and who we carry on the inside of us. You don't have to beg for something that God has already done. You just have to know what's been done and then release it because it's already in you. It's already in you. I said it's already in you. Sometimes we're praying for joy, but guess what? Joy is already in us. You know why? Because Holy Spirit's in us. And, holy, and joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So if Holy Spirit's in us, guess what? Joy's in us. Your soul may be in a funk, but your spirit is full and saturated with joy. We may be saying, oh God, please heal me. Healing is already in your spirit. It's just releasing what's already been done from your spirit into the rest of you. Shifting the atmosphere, not just externally, but internally. Because I'm going to tell you what happens in our lives. The external atmosphere is a result of the internal atmosphere. What we have inside is what overflows on the outside. Overflow. Everyone say overflow. You see, because if we want the overflow of what we're talking about here, we got to understand it's first got to be established in here so that it can then overflow outside of us. And we become carriers of that. Carriers of that. Where you have authority to shift and to move things. Now, I remember I was visiting a church and I had a dream the first morning I was there. And I woke up from my sleep and this is the dream I had. I dreamt of a teenage girl in high school. And she was going to school but there was a group of young boys bullying her at school. This is the dream I wake up with. And I say to myself, where did that dream come from? Why am I dreaming about this God? And I ask God, I'm like, what does this mean? And I, I don't really understand what it meant. Then I went to church that night. In the middle of my teaching, God stops me and he says, share the dream now. So I shared the dream. I go to the back of the room after service is over. A, a mother brings her teenage daughter up in front of me. And she says, your dream is my teenage daughter. She can't even go to school anymore because of the bullying she's getting from a group of boys at school. She said to me, my daughter goes to school and they physically spit on her and verbally abuse her. And it has gotten so bad she can't even go into school anymore. So this young girl stood in front of me. She looked down at the floor. She couldn't even look at me. She was so broken. And with her mother right there, I just felt, just hug her, just hug her, just hold her. She needs love. So I just put my arms around her and held her. And her mom was right there. For 20 minutes, that young girl sobbed in my arms, cried for 20 minutes straight. As I held this young girl, I began to pray in the spirit. And I began to use the keys God had given me. I not only prayed for her healing, for her soul to be made whole, but I began to take authority over the demonic assignments that were jumping on the heads of those boys to target her. Because you got to understand how things work in the realm of the spirit. That the enemy can target people by jumping on other people to cause them to come at them. So I started to cut off, through the name of Jesus, all the demonic assignments that were happening to target this young girl. And I know that when God has a plan for somebody's life, the enemy at times will try to target them. And the reason he does it is because he feels that if he can create enough trauma in, in, in an individual's life, and traumatize them 
to the point where they become so oppressed that they'll never fulfill their God-ordained assignment and purpose. So the enemy tries to cut it off ahead of time. But God is stronger. God is stronger. So we started cutting all those things off. She goes home that night. I get an email through Facebook the next day. She says, my daughter woke up this morning. And when she woke up, she said she was totally healed of all the trauma that's happened to her at school. Totally healed. And she said not only has she been healed of that trauma, she said she's also been healed of childhood trauma. Trauma that's happened years earlier in her life. She's been totally healed. Totally healed and set free. So then she writes me back again, and she says, my daughter went back to school. And she said this morning she got on the school bus. And while she was on the school bus, one of those boys comes walking up to her on the school bus. And as he gets near her, he looks at her, and he's touched by the Spirit of God. And he turns to her, and he says, I have to apologize to you. I am so sorry for everything I have ever done to hurt you. And he apologizes because that thing came off of him. And he was like, what am I doing? And he apologized because in his heart he knew it was wrong. And she said, I forgive you. I forgive you. And she forgave them. And God totally healed and intervened in her situation. You see, church, we really do have power and authority to bind what has been bound and to loose what has been loosed. We don't have to just sit and accept things. And I think sometimes we do. We sit and we accept things. Because we have this extreme view of God's sovereignty, and we just say, well, if it's God's will, he'll just do it. I'm just going to sit here and accept what is in my life, and that's just it. I have no power, no authority to do anything about it. No, it's actually not true. It's actually not true. You do have power. You do have authority in Christ, and Christ is in you. And God wants you living from that heavenly place. He wants you living from your heavenly account, not thinking you have an empty account and just have to survive life and just take whatever happens in your life or what's happening in people's lives around you. Hallelujah. So we learn to live. We learn to live from this place. And it releases heaven on earth, releases the presence of God around us, shocks people. Can I just tell you, one of my, you know, I have people, they ask me questions. They ask me questions. They say, Matt. What's your favorite hobby? I'm like, hmm, my favorite hobby. Well, of course you can tell just by looking at me that my favorite hobby is weightlifting. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> no, but people ask me, what's your hobby? And I'm like, well, okay, I think one of my favorite hobbies is shocking people with the glory. I just love to shock people with the glory. It's a lot of fun. Recently, I went into the airport, and look, airports, I live in airports. Airports are either great places to release the glory or have your flesh tested and crucified. And sometimes both happen because as you die, Christ lives in you. So <laughs> praise the Lord. So I was recently in the airport, and I step up to the ticket counter to get my plane ticket. And the stewardess or the, you know, the lady giving tickets out, she's standing behind the counter. And I walk up. And when I walk up to the counter, God walks up to the counter with me. And the presence of God touches her. And she goes backwards. And she goes, whoa, like this when I walk up to the counter. And then she leans over the counter at me. And I'm just standing there waiting for my ticket. And she leans over and she says, oh, you're so nice. She says, you're so kind. 
Oh, you're so loving. She says, I love you. <laughs> I say, well, I love you too. <laughs> she was shocked by the glory. She was shocked by the goodness of God. She didn't know what to do. She felt the presence. She felt the love of God. And she was like, oh, 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 you know. And I'm walking away, and she's yelling after me in the airport. She's like, I love you. I love you. And I'm like, you know, I love you too. You know, it's like just the whole airport's filled with love. And everyone's like looking. And I'm like, oh, Lord. It's like you can shock people with the presence of God, with the open heaven, with the atmosphere you carry. Just shock them with goodness. Try it. It's fun. Just shock people with the love of God. Shock them with a smile. Shock them with the presence of God. Shock them. They won't even know what happened to them. You could be walking shockers. Just, you know, Jehovah Zappa. The Lord who zappeth thee, you know. It's one of my names for God, Jehovah Zappa. He loves to zap people. He loves it. He loves to zap unsaved people. Oh, he loves to zap unsaved people. I love seeing unsa unsaved people encounter God. And sometimes people say, well, that's not theologically correct. They have to first get saved, then they can encounter God. And I'm like, well, whether they encounter God first or after, I don't really care just as long as they encounter him. Because sometimes people get healed and they get filled with God and then they get saved. I have seen people get filled with the presence of God before they get saved. And then as they're getting filled with God, they get saved. Hallelujah. Like the time I was in India. How are we doing? Oh, good. It's so early. Now that I'm done with my introduction, I can get on to point one. <laughs> but I was in India. And you see, this is where we shift atmospheres. And I'm telling you, you have power to shift atmospheres. Start with the atmosphere of your home. Let, well, let me just talk about the home for a second. I'll get back to India. You have power to establish the atmosphere of your home. You have 100% authority to have your home filled with the glory of God. I remember when I was growing up, we used to have prayer meetings in my home. And I was up in the bathroom getting ready for this prayer meeting. My dad was greeting people at the front door, welcoming them into the house. And as people were coming into the front door, all I could hear from the bathroom was, fire, 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 fire. And I'm like, is there a fire in the house? So I come running downstairs. But by the time I got downstairs, bodies were all over the house. The whole living room floor, the whole kitchen floor, bodies everywhere. Because as people walked into the home, my dad greeted them by shaking their hand, putting his hand on their head and saying, fire. And before they could take steps in, they were out under the fire of God. It's like you can cultivate this atmosphere in your home. I remember young ladies used to come to my mom for counseling and prayer. And I remember one young lady came over and she was like, oh, I feel like I'm oppressed by demons. I need prayer. My mom was going to pray for her. So they're just sitting in the living room talking. But as the young lady walks into the home, in, into their house, they'd never even had to cast a demon out. Because just by being in the home, the demons left her. And she was totally set free just by being in the house. So, I'm in India doing my very first miracle crusade. My very first one. 
And I learned lessons as I went along. I was very young and green and like, okay, we're going to preach to a whole crowd of Muslims and Hindus. I never did this before, but let's just go for it, right? So there I am in India with thousands of Hindus and Muslims in front of me. And I'm banging on the wooden pulpit. See, I was young and zealous, and I didn't quite know how to say everything. But I'm banging on the wooden pulpit, and I'm like, your Hindu gods are dead like this wooden pulpit. They're dead. They're <laughs> so after the meeting is over, the pastors are all huddled together. And I'm like, what are they huddling over there for? And the head one comes over, and he's like, brother, he's like, that was the clearest gospel message I have ever heard in my life. He said, but are you prepared to pay the price? And I'm like, pay the price? I'm like, what price? And he's like, <laughs> And I'm like, Kr. He's like, yeah. <laughs> and I learned, I, look, I, just, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just going to preach. I didn't know I could, Kr. I mean, who knows, you know. <laughs> so I learned, I learned. But I also knew how to shift atmospheres. And before any person showed up on that crusade field, I stood on that ground and I spoke over the land. And I said, I declare the blood of Jesus around this whole crusade field and the glory of God. And when people walk onto this ground, they're going to come right into the presence of God. And I declared it before any person showed up. And that night, the whole field filled up with people. And there was one lady all the way in the back. See, God loves the people all the way in the back. He gets them. So they were all the way in the back. The mom, Hindu showed up with her two daughters. The mom had a broken leg because every night a demon would torment her in her house, thrash her body on the floor, and broke her leg as a result. Her one daughter was going blind. Her other daughter was going mentally insane. All three of them were standing back there, Hindus. As we begin to speak the name of Jesus, a bright light flashes around her. She sees the light of God. The power of God touches her body. The demon leaves her body, and her leg instantly gets healed. Her one daughter, her mind instantly comes back into soundness. Her other daughter's eyes get totally healed. This was before they get saved. They were still Hindu at the point, at this point, but they encountered Jesus. And then we gave an altar call for salvation. I'm going to tell you the first people were up at that altar call for salvation, that mom and two daughters. And I'm telling you, she was safe for five minutes, and she preached better than me. She came on that platform. She took that microphone, and she said, I've worshipped millions of Hindu gods my whole life. And none of them have been able to do for me what Jesus has done for me tonight. And she testified of the power of Jesus in her life. And you see, we, do can, we contain that authority to shift atmospheres, to bring people into encounter with God. An encounter with healing. And you see, when you live from that account, you realize, like the oil in your lamp it's not just the oil in my lamp, but God wants to give us extra oil. Because truly God is a God of more than enough. He's a God of more than enough. He does not want to give you just enough anointing for your own breakthrough. He doesn't want to give you just enough anointing for you to survive your own problems. He wants to give you more than enough of Him. That not only do you get a breakthrough, but your breakthrough becomes a breakthrough for everybody else around you. And you have an overflow to give away to other people. Come on, that's what the anointing is all about. That it's not just anointing for me personally, for my own victory, for my own healing, for my own deliverance, but it's, God, you want to give me so much that there's an overflow out of my life that now I have more than enough to give your presence away to other people around me. So then others get healed and others get set free.